0: Hello, I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 210 of the Weekly Weekly podcast. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Um thanks very much to Tara Melville who C- came on last week talked about arts therapy, her approach to it, um uh, the differences in how she approaches it to maybe other uh, therapists. I uh, always kind of I always find fascinating and uh, Tara was brilliant and she introduced me to her I think it was a pet plant, I don't really, it's got a name, so I guess it's a pet. Um, but, And her pet rock, she's a pet plant and a pet rock, so go back and listen to Tara if you haven't done so. Um, You can support us and buy me a coffee if you like, link is in the description. Um, our guest this week is a, a drama therapist and other therapies, and her name is Kira O'Sullivan. How are you doing, Kira?
1: I'm good, thanks for having me.
0: You're more than welcome. I'm delighted to have you on. I'm not going to start off this week's episode as awkwardly as I did last week. I promised myself that, um, if people don't know, they can come back and listen to it. But how are you doing today?
1: Yeah, good.
0: Good. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm happy to have you on. I'm, I've been uh, very uh, intrigued by the idea of, I know you're a creative arts therapist and I'm I'm very intrigued by a lot of that and, and drama therapy and stuff. So we will obviously dig deep into that. Um, The first question we always ask then, um, can you give us a a short history of your upbringing, please?
1: Yeah, Okay. Um, I know you emailed me that question and I was like, oh, God, (laughs) am I interesting enough? Who knows? We'll kind of find out. Um, I was born in Dublin. Um, My mom was from Finglas and my dad was from Limerick City. Um, and yeah, we lived in Dublin for about five years and then we ended up moving down to the west of Ireland to Roscommon. Oh, And, wow. uh, yeah, so I spent like the rest of my upbringing in, in, in the country. Um, yeah, which was nice. Um, difficult, I suppose, at times because all my family were far, far away, you know. So, like my grandparents, like both sides were Limerick and Dublin, and back then the roads were very bad. You know, it was actually like about a three-hour mm. journey. You know, so that that was quite tough, I suppose that that side of it. Um, and yeah, um, I went, I went, I suppose I went from like an Irish-speaking school in Dublin, and it was a mixed school. And, um, even though I was quite young, I still had like a grasp of the, of the Irish, of the Gwilga. And, um, yeah, then all of a sudden I'm in a, an all girls Catholic English speaking school. <laughs> um, which, yeah, was run by the nuns mainly as well. Um, so a massive, massive change for me, um, personally, you know, and, uh, yeah, so that was tough. I found, I found primary school really tough, I suppose. And, um, yeah, and then secondary school was great. Love secondary school, um, because it was mixed, I suppose, mm. you know, um, even, even now, I think the the two schools are still separated, but there's a plan on emerging both the schools, you know, the boys mm. and the girls, school, which is fantastic. Um and yeah like was always I suppose I went to speech and drama from a young age and that I really loved that that was kind of my thing um and I played <clears throat> a good bit of tennis but that was mainly because of my brother <laughs> I had one older brother at that time when I was growing up and uh yeah I always loved part of, like the imperative of plays and shows and I suppose that's where like I was confident and kind of knew that that was kind of like my little safe haven I suppose where I could just express myself and be a bit silly and you know um yeah it was just you know I suppose some people would find you know ballet or dance class maybe or a sport and uh, you know I suppose things like that where for me it was really the drama side that I I absolutely adored you know and yeah, went into secondary school, obviously picked music and joined the musicals. And yeah, that's kind of when I knew really that I wanted to go down the, the drama route at, yeah. that, at that point. Yeah. And yeah, from then on, I kept kind of just doing that kind of those side of things, I suppose. And yeah, it was tough, though, I suppose, like Ross and wouldn't like back then like they'd have a musical here and there or, you know, but there wasn't really that much. Like there wasn't like a, a drama school or anything I like don't that. Think there, I know? still
0: don't think there is. I'm in Roscommon right now and it's like, it's, there's nothing no, going on here.
1: I think there's one, yeah. There's, oh, is there? Uh, yeah, there is. I forget the name of it. I think it's Roscommon Youths,
0: okay. drama,
1: drama Youth. yeah. And uh, so that's open. I remember that's only, that's maybe 10 years now. So I would have been gone by then but it's it's now there and yeah it's you know it's great to see that that's there now but I suppose for me and yeah that was I suppose that was kind of one of the reasons why I didn't like being brought up in the west because if I had stayed in Dublin there was loads absolutely loads but yeah I suppose that's a little bit about kind of where where I came brought up I suppose and where I came from Yeah. yeah and I suppose there's one thing I suppose I find it hard because you know my mom was from Dublin, my dad was from Limerick. I was born in Dublin, but I was reared in Roscommon in a town called Boyle. And you know, a lot of a lot of time, and even to this day, a lot of people go, "Where are you from?" And I actually, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a bit bit of everything. Yeah, yeah.
0: We kind, of, I kind of play around with that. I almost did the exact opposite of you. So I went from Westmead to Dublin when I was eight. And uh went to school up there in swords and uh so it's quite it's quite different and sometimes I play around with the idea that I'm from Dublin, but obviously I know I'm not from Dublin, I'm from Westmead. <laughs> but I do it to annoy some people and it's I find it quite interesting. It's just funny when I tell when I celebrate Dublin winning the All Ireland, I it think it's that annoys people a little bit, like you know.
1: Oh but, of course. Of you know, course that would. <laughs> <not gonna> support, <laughs> I wouldn't do that.
0: <laughs> which is, well I wouldn't support Westmead though, you know what I mean? Like what what am I gonna get out of that? But I think um <laughs> So we we you always asked then about when uh someone first became aware of mental health.
1: Yeah, that's a tricky one, I suppose. I can't really remember when, you know, I think I think there was definitely questions of like mm, why am I feeling like this, mm-hmm. you know? I definitely I would have been quite an anxious child and probably as a teenager as well. And I suppose just the awareness wasn't there back then so internally I was kind of going why do I feel like this but I never kind of brought it up to anyone or you know had a chat and it wasn't really spoken about in school or you know that kind of way mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose yeah I would have picked it up that I was quite anxious or worried about what was going around me like you know just natural you know just you know, that that feeling in the stomach and going mm, i don't know why i feel like that you know <laughs> but I'd i'd carry on i suppose and um yeah i suppose when i really kind of began to talk about it was actually when I moved to Wales in Mm -hmm. 2011 yeah and um do you know in the UK they're just so open about it like they were way ahead of us and I remember it was my first week in in university and we're in you know we're all first years in 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 university and they're all just so open talking about anxiety and mental health and depression and medication and therapists and I was just like sorry what (laughs) I'm just like this little woman from like Roscommon (laughs) and uh, yeah it was kind of from there I suppose and I went into performing arts as well so they were very much like open about things and um yeah it was fantastic I was like oh okay so it's okay to talk about this right okay but definitely like when I saw friends from like from back home that those chats weren't happening really then you know like it was kind of like in Wales like When I was with my college buddies, like, you know, things were spoken about, which was, which I found really interesting, you know, um, that they were just so open about it. And I suppose with creativity, we bring stuff from the unconscious to the conscious, you know, um, without even being too aware of it and creativity just or storytelling just it it brings a lot of feelings and emotions and we we connect I Mm -hmm. just feel like we just connect through storytelling and I suppose that's what you're doing in your podcast is it it really is storytelling and Mm -hmm. it brings connection and uh yeah with the I suppose with the course we had to do modules on you know um like a uh, performance that use you know mental health um, and they they bring it to to the theater they bring it to to the world and um, so we would have had to do a lot of research on that um, and uh so yeah I did um, perform an arts but it was very um, I forget the word now. I've gone blank, but I suppose it was kind of more outside the box. It wasn't like yeah. the Gacy School of Acting, where you're, you know, it was very outside the box, kind of alternative mm-hmm. um, performing arts. And uh, yeah, so I would have done a lot of modules on, on I suppose thinking outside the box. How can you bring something that's an issue in the world? and bring it to theaters or bring bring it somewhere in a in a creative or performance way um so through that i i connected really with that as well you know that wow it really does bring up stuff you know and um, and yeah loved it absolutely loved it and i think yeah i can't remember the first time when i kind of realized or became aware Mm -hmm. of mental health like I say I say it was from when I was a very young age but I couldn't name it but I think it was really when I was about 18 or 19
0: Um,
1: and you know it is fantastic like I do work with children and teenagers at the moment and it brings me so like it brings me kind of like it's it's sad that obviously children and teenagers feel the way that they feel. But it all it also kind of brings me some relief that they know what it is mm-hmm. and that they can work on it. Because back then I didn't have a clue, you know? No, no. <laughs> you know, so you know, that they don't feel lost in it. And I think, yeah, I think that's so important.
0: Oh, it's it's great. I um so I picked up on something there you mentioned and this is kind of going back to, to what maybe when I was like twenty. 21 years of age and I used to play in a band so we'd do some gigs in pubs and stuff and uh, mm-hmm. I, I, obviously I had some some anxieties that I didn't know what, what they were but at the time I was like I oh, would we'll just have a few drinks beforehand and I was grand then I got up on stage but for you um, you mentioned how much confidence it gave you like drama school and things like that um, ha- did it help with anxiety does it help with that kind of thing? Well
1: it did for me okay. yeah 100% yeah just you know just brought me to another world, like you know, where you're pretending to be somebody else, or you're, you know, but, like it was. Yeah, it really did reduce my anxiety, um, and it brought me so much joy. It was, I, I think it was just something that really, just I, I just delved right into and mm-hmm. loved it, you know. So yeah, now I do remember like getting a bit nervous before a performance or you know a show, mm-hmm. um but yeah like that's to me that was a good thing you yeah, know yeah. I always always said like that's a good thing that you're feeling a bit nervous and you know that means that you care you know you're you care about what you're going to bring to to the stage you know so I kind of use that as my little kind of like okay th- these feelings it's because I care you know yeah. and I suppose that is probably what like that feeling most of the time that an- that anxious feeling is because you're you're worried, but you care. You know, yeah. you feel things. You know, um. But yeah, no, definitely. The minute I was on stage or performing, or even during rehearsals, I definitely just just relaxed into it and just loved it. Yeah.
0: There, there's a a weird right. So I started um writing songs again after I don't know how many years. So just as a new year, not a resolution, but kind of a thing to to practice doing. And you again, you struck a chord there with me. And that's not meant to be a pun, but. There you go. But um, <laughs> you, so you you said about how it's bringing like the unconscious to the conscious, uh, the mind. And I was sitting there just playing guitar. And so I was thinking like, oh, these lyrics were coming out of me and I just wrote some stuff down. And I came back to it the next day and I realized that a couple of those lines without them necessarily me talking about how I was feeling at the time. That's what kind of came out onto the page, almost like a just a kind of a rhyming device that I was using. But it was exactly what's what was doing it. And I think it's a really for people who may not know about or haven't been to therapy, I guess, uh, might not know about that's the way we kind of explore the the mind and how we are able to um, show how we're feeling to the therapist. But you also have to be the one there that it prompt probably isn't the best word for it but the person who needs to guide the 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 client to a certain place i think you have to be aware of how to do that like i think that's I, that might be the most difficult part of your job i suppose
1: um yes and no right. it it depends and it depends where i suppose the client is at as well yeah. are they ready to go there you know maybe they're just not ready and then really it's about I suppose, working on uh, calming the nervous system and finding ways to to ground them for for a while. You know, it, it just depends and, until they are ready, you know. Yeah. And I suppose as a therapist, we have our goals, <laughs> but sometimes it's just not the right time. Yeah. You know, and it's about sitting with that and sometimes you know you can get frustrated with the process or you know um you know just like trying to to push it but really it's really about just accepting where you are at in the here and now in the process with the client as well you know just speaking me as a therapist I suppose it's you know sometimes I do pick up that like oh why am I feeling like this and it, it's probably kind of is that my stuff is that mm. what I want for them but is that actually what they want you yeah. know do, maybe or are they ready yet? I may be ready yeah. <laughs> as a therapist I'm ready to move on to the next part or a deeper level but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are you know yeah um, so um what I would say is that Every client is so different, you know, and how I approach it as well can be very different as well. You know, I'd have, you know, sometimes, and this is really interesting, is that a lot of, you know, parents will ring me first and they'd say my child is very creative and this, that and the other and the rest of it. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, you know, most most likely they'll connect with the, the creative side and they come in and they go, yeah, I don't, I really don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. like <laughs> internally screaming, Um, I know. And then other times, you know, parents would be worried. Oh, will they connect with this? Because they're not really great at art or music or, you know, drama. And I always say, you know, we I go at the child's pace, you know, whatever they would like to do or bring to the therapy. And sometimes they're the ones that do the most creative work. So it's really interesting how you just, you never know, I suppose. And I'd go in with a plan, a goal for a session and they come in and the plan has to go out the window. And I, you know, and I suppose it's not about I've 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 set this plan for this session and from the previous week or you know, and I've planned it and here it is. And then they go, No, I don't want to do it, or they're not ready. And it really is having that, I suppose, awareness of where they are at to go. Actually, do you know what? Yeah, yeah. I've planned this, but it's not, it's it's not their time. And maybe Maybe it's something I might use with a different client or maybe we might come back to it. But really, it's about going, OK, and taking that plan and putting it out the window. Yeah.
0: I think, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you obviously like had so much passion for the performing arts. Um, mm-hmm. But at what point did you decide to uh, decide to become a, a creative arts therapist?
1: Oh, OK. Um so yeah it's really interesting because I really want to do the acting side of it I really want to become a performer so or a director and I really, I, the only modules I did in my final year was, um, performance and directing. Um I didn't do the, the applied theatre applied, which is kind of like the teaching route or the community work and the facilitation part. I, I was like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the acting. And, um, yeah, about a year, like a few months after the like I I qualified and I was getting a bit of work here and there. I found it actually really hard to be in Wales because because I did the performing arts course in Wales and you know they wanted Welsh actors or the Welsh mm-hmm. accents and and things. It was quite hard to get work for for some an Irish girl in living in Wales. You know, um. So that was a bit. I found that the rejection side very yeah, hard yeah. and, um. I was working in an Irish bar at the same time trying to you know support myself and yeah a bit of like facilitation work came about and I applied for it and I got it and it was working in a very deprived area in in Wales and it was about you know coming up with um, a drama program which will then turn into a festival for the community of this deprived area. And there, you know, there would have been a lot of, I suppose, drugs involved, you know, in, in the area and just, you know, poverty. And um, yeah, the children and the teenagers, they, they showed up every day. Like it was just, I had no idea how much it, drama actually meant to some people, do you know, yeah. and... I I was just blown away with the power of drama and that aspect of giving it a little bit, giving people a little bit of hope or, you know, confidence. I knew it always gave confidence because it gave me confidence, but just to see that side of drama and I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. And then I went back to, I got uh, an award to create my own show and to tour it. And I was, in the theater rehearsing and the receptionist came in and she said that there's this woman from the hospital who's looking for a female actor. And um, I said that you're in here, do you, want, do you want to meet her? And I said, okay. And I went out and uh, she basically said that she works in the hospital for, and she supports women who have had breast cancer. And they're looking at uh, reconstruction surgery and that her job was to have a chat with the woman and record the chat and just just really lay back over a cup of tea. And then before the woman meets the doctor, because let's, you know, let's be honest, most doctors are male,
0: mm-hmm. but,
1: you know, most people with breast cancer is female. and. So the, what they were finding was the women were. Going in, talking to a male and looking yeah. for advice, and they were just holding back, and mm-hmm. it was quite awkward. So this lady basically recorded the conversation of the what of the woman and what she wanted, you know, from the surgery, and then played it to the doctor or the surgeon, and um, before meeting the woman, I thought that was a lovely, good, yeah, yeah. A, a lovely bridge, you know, connecting the two in a very nice, you know, just. Yeah, it was just lovely. I just thought, wow, that's that's gorgeous. And um anyway, she said, I have loads of stories and I've been given permission to um basically um put them into a script mm-hmm. and we'd like somebody to re read them out, but it's going to be in front of um, doctors, nurses, surgeons, and the patients as well. And it was this massive project called Reconstruction. reconstructing ourselves and there was a music therapist an art therapist and there was one other therapist but I forget it wasn't a creative arts; it was something else and then there was me performing so it wasn't drama therapy or anything like that it was just me performing and um so she so I said yes I'll go I'll do it And um, so I did the I I went in and I performed in the hospital, and the stories that I read out was just like it was love, like it's sad but lovely. But what was fantastic was like surgeons from all over the UK came to Wales to listen to how creative arts therapies and you know thinking outside the box can really help these women be supported on their journey to like going through breast cancer or post you know post surgery or post like you know the reconstruction as well the, that surgery as well and um yeah I suppose after it the a lot of the patients they were like that was my story and they mm-hmm. came up to me and they were like that was my story just want to say thank you very much it brought like it get like I I bawled my eyes out just to even hear my story and see how far I've come and you know thank you and then yeah I got to I didn't I wasn't part of the actual um I suppose the program or the research so I was just going in to do my piece but I sat in for to watch to witness I suppose the rest of it and yeah there was an art therapist and a music therapist and what they did like the I think they spent 10 weeks with the women and they did art therapy and uh 10 weeks of art therapy and 10 wow. weeks of music therapy and they shared it basically and with the with the audience I suppose and it was just it was just so like I'm, I'm actually speechless to this day I just can't describe it how beautiful it was and but it's it's also the fact that a few surgeons got up and actually spoke at the end and they were like "Yeah, we had no idea like you've really given us an insight to how the patients are truly feeling and we want to say thank you you know and it was that it was kind of that moment that I was like well there's an art therapist there there's a music therapist there is there drama therapy Mm -hmm. and uh, so I asked the music therapist and she guided me then. She said that um, there's a drama therapy course in Bristol and then there's a few in London and um, I'm not too sure about Edinburgh. And then I also looked up Ireland and there was one in Maynooth. And ah. I just said, it's time to come home.
0: Very nice. <laughs> it all, that, that all lined up perfectly. I, I You know, I, it's a gorgeous idea that, you know, Um i say grown ups but you know what I mean you work with kids and you work with adults as well but the idea that those people who had gone through you know breast cancer uh had to uh, you know they went into something that they probably would knew very little about the idea of art therapy because if someone threw me into a room with an arts therapist i wouldn't know what what was going on either you know it would be completely it'd be completely new to me but the idea that they would have found something after ten weeks of of going yeah. through that and Probably at the start, and I, I talked to Tara about this last week, that adults would be a little more, um, self-conscious about, you know, performing or drawing or whatever it might be. Whereas kids will maybe get stuck in qu- quicker. Um, I love the idea that the people that you were, you met and you were talking to had this uh, kind of other experiences that they may not have been, you know, expecting at all, but clearly they got stuck into it and found something in it.
1: Yeah it's it's gorgeous you know the the process of it is just i suppose when when you put it all together you know i think it's and i think that's so important of the end piece mm-hmm. and a, a lot of my work really i'm always like the ending is so important you know and the fact that their ending was this this performance but what it really the the ending of it is what really showed people what i suppose creative arts therapy can provide and support and help and encourage and and grow as well just you know and you would not think that i suppose there is a little bit of ignorance maybe of like you know creativity can be a bit airy fairy you know and and from I suppose a surgeon's point of view and their way of thinking is probably completely opposite to how a creative person yeah. <laughs> thinks. But it's—I think I, that was what was lovely was that these surgeons were actually going, wow, you know. Yeah. And I just thought, like, ah, uh, I have to, I have to do this, and I want to help people and. You know, I can always still do drama. I can always, like, I, like you know, outside of the the therapy. But I, I just really wanted to become a drama therapist. Then I kind of forgot about the acting and and just, yeah, went down that route.
0: Yeah, and there's there's something um, I've I've always found music to be particularly therapeutic in in you know in many different ways, whether it's when you're feeling down, you play the miserable stuff. And when you're feeling up, you play the, you know, it should be the opposite. But anyways, that's the way we do it. But I, I was speaking uh, last week about the idea of using uh, music in therapy and how you have to be particularly res- like responsible as to what it is you choose. Like the idea of maybe picking the wrong thing at the wrong time could be triggering for somebody. Um mm-hmm. How do you find your way around that kind of thing?
1: Um, so, I wouldn't really suggest music. I would ask them to pick something, mm-hmm. you know, um, or if they wanted to, you know, I suppose that's a little bit different. If you're a music therapist, maybe you do bring something. Um, but for me, I always ask them and I work with a lot of um, children and, uh, you know, teenagers that are neurodivergent and they would have sensory needs. And yeah, music, sometimes they, they really want it. And then other times it can be a massive trigger, not the song itself. It's the noise. Yeah. You know, so I have to be really mindful of that, you know, what, you know, because sometimes they're avoidant to sound and sometimes they're a seeker to sound. So, yeah, when it comes to music, I suppose I, I, I have to ask first, you know.
0: Yeah, I I often wonder that, like, a lot of the times, whether we're being kind in sharing our, our, our music to, with other people or whether we're being passive aggressive <laughs> at times, depending on what we pick. But, you know, there could also be that thing of of uh, there's a particular meaning in the song to someone and they might give it to you because they want you to know the meaning and they may not. Yeah,
1: that happens. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I I always find that like, is it the idea of they will give it to you and, and, you know, obviously they can explain it to it, but maybe they don't. And maybe they want you to figure it out, even though it's not that easy, you know?
1: Yeah, like there it's it's interesting. A lot of a lot of children or aunts teenagers they they would ask me to watch something okay so they might give me their favorite tv show or favorite movie or they'll talk about a character and I think I, I work kind of more towards that then so I would watch I wouldn't watch the whole tv series <laughs> yeah <fair enough. laughs> or the or the film you know but um like Yeah, I'd probably do a bit of research on to like why is that their favorite character? Yeah, is there a need that they bring that they don't get themselves? You know, or a want? You know, that they they, you know, whether it's a a superhero or a really sad, angry character. You know, like I always, I always kind of take that and work with that in the in the drama therapy room as well. You know, like I would ask them. Like, you know, why do you connect so, you know, so much to this character and see does what comes up for them as well? Like, you'd be surprised. And I yeah. think, I think we do. I think we do connect, like, as you said about, you know, happy music, sad music, you know, when we're happy, we want the happy songs and when we're sad we want the really sad songs and you know i do feel like we find characters or movies especially from you know when we're young and yeah you know there's there's definitely a connection there as to why you know yeah like why, why do we like a certain movie so much and if you if you really do look into it i i'm sure there's a theme within the movie that actually really hold something to you uh, as your upbringing or as your, you know, as part of your life.
0: I I go back to that with, with films and, and uh, you know, characters. And you may not see a film for 20, 25 years, and then you'll see the, the character and you'll all of a sudden think of like, It's the same as music, obviously, but it can bring you back to those moments in your childhood or your teenage years or whatever it might be where it's like Mm -hmm. it's kind of startles you a bit at how something can be you can be transported by by an actor. But, you know, when someone is going into into see you and maybe they're a child and stuff, we talked already about the idea of, uh, you know, that gave you great confidence being on stage. But is there a, a is there a comfort in itself of being someone else in front of people
1: oh 100 yeah. yeah like a little i suppose it's a little escape you know that you you get to be somebody somebody else for a couple of hours or you know you can it it brings a lot of laughter mm-hmm. as well so there there's definitely a little bit of that that you can just you can be somebody else and yeah. if you're not if you're not happy you know um there was definitely points in my life that, you know, when I was a bit sad and, you know, if I was to go to drama, I, I would become a lot happier because you just kind of switch off from it all and you don't, you're, you're not, I suppose for me, I was like, Oh, I'm not Kira. I'm like, yeah. whatever, you know, I'm like. <laughs> for doing Greece, or you know yeah. just like singing away and dancing like an Egypt and having a laugh you know um and definitely I see it with children in the in the therapy that you know I do have costumes or scarves or you know a few little props like a magic wand or a sword and you do see them coming to life mm-hmm. you know and just that that laughter that it, it can bring you know it's certainly it's certainly a release for them you know as well
0: yeah. and how yeah. do you how do you I know this will probably depend and be you know be very variable on the, per, the person that comes in but mm-hmm. like with all that you do because it's great of art and it's uh, you know art in itself and drawing and music and all that you obviously let the 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 person lead the dance as it were, but mm-hmm. you know it's like is it the idea of a, I, I just picture a child sitting down and kind of seeing all like you know maybe it's markers or paint there's music and whatever you have to allow it kind of to develop that way obviously you can give pointers and stuff and you can can lead the yeah, child but yeah. you have to allow them to lead the dance,
1: yeah, like I suppose you know I might have. I might bring in, like I said earlier, like I might have an idea that I think would help them process an issue or a thought, a feeling, um, you know, but uh yeah, like I might have something all ready to go. <laughs> and they're like, no, nah, not today, Kira. And I'm like, okay, okay. What would you like to do? Yeah. Or how about we do 20 minutes of, that idea and then 20 minutes of this idea and see you know see can you encourage them you know but when they're ready I suppose they might look at like the the well-being and the looking at the the emotions you know and what I'm finding is a lot of children in particular um they they know it off by heart that looks like happy that looks sad that looks you know, angry, and um, you know, and they're well able to name them, yeah. but they have no. Um, I suppose there's no awareness of of what what they do, the emotions, or where they sit in the body, mm-hmm. um, and what they, you know, what happens when we get sad, and what happens when we when we're angry. And I think it's really learning that you know. When children, although that they can point and go, that's sad, they don't actually know the meaning of that sadness. You know, they can, you know, they can see it and point at it. But, you know, if you actually work, you know, at a deeper level, they they don't really understand what happens, you know, especially with anger. Mm. You know, and I always say like, you know, we can feel all the emotions and that's okay. but it's what we do with them. You know, what can we do when we're angry? So instead of doing this, let's try this, mm-hmm. you know, I'm breaking it down. Um, but yeah, really, it's it's when they're ready, I suppose, yeah. that yeah. I find that they that they can go go to that level or that they can tell me, you know, and and sometimes sometimes we may never reach that conversation but unaware I suppose through the work of me supporting the parents or you know and the child coming to me um and outside help as well of course and um, a few changes at home or in school um can really just naturally help the child grow um and sometimes in my work I have to be honest it's really that the fact that they, they are 100% heard for 45 minutes and there's no judgment. Mm. And, they, you know, I what I love, right, is when I say to a child, um, you know, you're in charge of this room. Yeah. You know, you're in charge. What we do, what we talk about, you know, you're in charge. However, I'm in charge in keeping this safe. Yeah. So that's when I, I'll... I'll I'll step in when it's when it's got to do with safety, and it's just really empowering. Mm. You know, sometimes we may not get to the the conscious, and sometimes that's okay. You know, yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. I I find it interesting. Uh, you talked about like you know how. Maybe anger. We don't know how to. But some some of us still don't know what to do with anger. I know. So, <laughs> and also,
1: we sometimes we even you know. I suppose sorry for interrupting yeah. there, but like even as a therapist, I do say that I'm always very yeah. honest with the 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 clients. Really, I've I did training on emotions, and I even get it wrong yeah.
0: too. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> so fair, you're yeah. okay. <laughs> it's and that's and that's you know. But like at such a young age, to you start to learn these things is is amazing because they may not have been there for us when we were younger you know And that,
1: oh no you know that's great and, no, yeah.
0: and another thing what what I think is, is interesting how we relate colors to emotions we all know them like you know red yeah. is anger and blue is feeling sad and how that could very easily because we've we've known this since we were kids you know about like green is jealousy and all this kind of stuff yeah. and we we could very easily as a child be be and as adults be sitting there subconsciously painting something that has all these colors but they're very specific in in the feelings that the the, the child or the adult might be using. and I always find that it mad that we learned this stuff when we were so young all this kind of how colors relate to feelings mm. and stuff do you know
1: yeah it's it's and you know maybe you're drawn to so I always like I'm always kind of in within the therapy room I'm always like like keeping an eye out on like what toys do they always go Mm. for or what colors do they always pick and really when you when you see (laughs) when you see a child for a few weeks straight you really do pick up then the what what you know what colors they're using all the time and why Mm. <laughs> you know um yeah you might like you know especially with with some boys i suppose that red color yeah. and also red has got to do with i think like avengers and superman right. and you know um but also it's got to do with anger and you know and yeah. you know that physical side of things as well and yeah it's about working on that as yeah, well and- f- Breaking it with,
0: down. with you, Kira, as you've gone along, like, are you constantly evolving as, as a, a therapist, do you think?
1: Oh, 100 yeah. percent. And you know what I have to say, I learn a lot from the kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, sometimes they can just bring a lot of insight, Yeah. you know, especially some of the younger kids, you know, um, and also so what I what I do find in a lot of my work is That if there's a child who's quite anxious and, you know, a little bit like worried all the time. And, you know, uh, when I actually do sit with the parents, actually, you know, a lot of the time I find actually, well, you know you're quite stressed and you're yeah. quite worried yeah. and I'm I'm picking that up and you know I'm wondering are you getting support are you going like are you like what's your self care plan or what's your are you in therapy and it's like oh no 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 we'll just we'll get the child in mm. and i'm like well it all starts with us doesn't it like I feel like as adults, we need to represent, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it does start with us and that energy, you know, whereas at the start, I suppose, in my work, I was very much like um, the child, all about the child. I didn't really want, like, you know, not that I didn't want to know much about the parents, but I wanted to really get to know the child on a real deep level without without any too much information from the parents, because then you might get, You know, I suppose just sides like maybe or just unconsciously kind of, you know, it might impact the therapy basically. And as I went on, I suppose I realized actually it's really important to get to know how the family runs, you know, at home, what's going on at home. And I always say to parents, there is no judgment in this room you know we're like nobody is the perfect parent nobody's the perfect a perfect person you know um but the more i know the more i can i can help and yeah and who knows that might change in a few years or there might be a new like uh, you know i do a lot of cpd and like you know trainings on, on top and yeah it does impact i suppose how you how you work and how you grow so yeah and how you see things yeah and also your age, like, I'm not going to lie, like, I suppose, maybe, you know, as I age, my, my therapy hat may change with me, because I'm going to change. And um, so, yeah, and that's what I always say to people that, you know, if a therapist isn't working for you, or you're not connecting with a therapist, it doesn't mean that you're not going to connect with, and, you know, somebody else, it yeah. just means that you're not connecting, and you're not working great with that therapist. And it's not to say that that therapist isn't a good therapist it just means that you know you you may work better with somebody else you know um so yeah when I suppose yeah no I I I think my my therapy hat yeah will always change and adapt to to it but I always find that I get when it does change (laughs) I do find that also the client the referrals that I get kind of changes with that yeah as well Well, yeah that's that's fair yeah yeah, I really wanted to work with teenagers when I first started off. And for some reason, I just wasn't getting teenagers. Okay. And, uh, so then I did a little bit more training to help me with working with kids. Um, like just younger because I just like a lot of my training I did, like I worked with, I suppose, teenagers because that's what I wanted. And, uh, yeah, so I kind of, I did a six month course on working, you know, with younger, younger years and how to provide like therapeutic play. And, uh, yeah, I loved it, absolutely loved it. And a lot, a lot more kids were coming in and younger. And, and then I, you know, I was like, oh, I really do wish I got to work with more teenagers. Mm. And I, I don't know, I was just kind of listening to podcasts and things like that and working with adolescents. And and then before I knew it, now now it's very 50-50. Now I'm seeing a load of teenagers and I'm like, isn't like it's just mad. Yeah. And maybe I wasn't ready because maybe I was too young of a therapist. Maybe. Mentally, probably, and maybe age-wise as well, that maybe I was too young back, back then to... To hold that space for for the teenagers. I always find that they you know things come around when you when you're ready.
0: This is it. I I what I love obviously the main thing is that they're getting the therapy and and healing, you know, the kids and, and and teenagers. But I also like the fact that it does allow them in that space to be as creative as they like and it'll also Put in their minds that it's it's okay to try different things to be out there and, and be mm-hmm. trying you know that's amazing thing because we it's exactly. not that we forget about that side of it we want to we want them to feel better you know but the idea that that creativity because it creativity is like one of the most healing things you can do if, you, if you're if you if you're in that space so for all those uh, kids that you've seen and, and teens have gone about you know that have gone through they're experiencing like art in a completely different way now
1: Oh, yeah actually I never yeah I haven't thought about it that way I suppose that's like fine. you know and I suppose yeah you actually brought up someone that but they're ending with me soon and they did say oh my mom is is going to look up uh drama skills oh, you wow. know and it's a boy actually and I was just like that's fantastic you know yeah. because I, I still think it's very a, fe- a female thing mm-hmm. you know it's it's getting better but, uh, yeah, you sparked a memory or, like, I suppose, learning from the past few years was I do a lot of slime, like, messy play. Right. And it's meant to be very grounding for, for kids. And, uh, like, I was mainly doing it with the, with the kids. And didn't I, I – I ran out of time, basically. So the clients, because of the, it's messy play, and we went over time. And then one of my teenagers – came in early arrived early so there was still kind of like the the slime box was still there and stuff and uh you know i apologize oh sorry that that, that's there and i left it like i just took it off the table and i noticed them that they kept looking at it and i'm like hmm i wonder do they want to make slime Mm. and uh, they were 14 years old and i i just went with it and i just said here do you want to make slime you know, I, I made it with the like a, a younger person earlier and it was great crack. Like yeah. I loved it. I made my own, you know, trying to make them like, you know, oh, this this old woman is making slime. It's fine. If if she is, I can kind of way about it. And uh, they were like, oh, yeah please oh like I when mom went shopping like like they told me that when their mom went shopping and they were on their own in the house they tried to make slime in the bathroom but they didn't want to be seen because they didn't want to be made fun of or that it's too babyish and you're a teenager I just thought wow like they went to that effort to try and hide something that they wanted to go back to, I suppose, yeah. or you know, maybe like I don't think slime was out maybe when they were kids like this is maybe two years ago. And yeah, it brought it sparked up. We literally made slime for the full 45 minutes and it was the most talk I got out of the teenager, wow. you know, and and the fact that it also brought that kind of um, realization of trust with me. To, to share that they that they hide this like that they didn't want their man to see yeah. so i just thought that was that was that was lovely as well yeah. that you know and yeah and we encouraged to make slime with with the parents then oh wow. <laughs> that was my, next, my my next goal and yeah i think it's it's also i think we forget that although teenagers they want to be cool in front yeah. of their friends i still think that when they're at home and they're in their safe space, I still think they want to, <clears throat> sorry, that they want to go back to a few things or they yeah. want that, that comfort, I suppose, of, of, of playing and, mm-hmm. and being young. Like they may not do it in front of their friends because they're too cool for that. <laughs> but yeah, I think, and even as adults, I think we should, you know, be kind to ourselves and allow ourselves to go back, do a bit of painting, do a bit of slime, yeah. do, do a bit of like silly dancing and like no, like look how calm your nervous system is after it. Like you know, yeah,
0: I'm not gonna lie. That's funny you mentioned silly dancing. Um, I was uh, listening to the Beastie Boys this morning. and I got like a, an LP, the mm. the best of the Beastie Boys, and I was doing some seriously silly dancing to it, and it was very enjoyable. And I was just, on my, mm. just on my own, and just allowing myself, and like you were saying about the teenager wanting to be. You know, just to have a mess around, just get a bit messy and not worry about yeah. all the other con- the little restrictions that they have in their lives. They, they can't be like this. You can't be like this. You know, then they just thought, well, slime is there and they wanted to do it. It's great. I, I am, um, I love that. It's, um, I, another thing I wanted to, to ask you, like, when you were kind of growing up and, and now, like, who, what kind of artists or actors or people do you kind of admire or, or enjoy?
1: Um, yeah, that's a hard one. Um, I suppose, like, I was never great at reading. Never had the attention span. I suppose, um, found it very hard. But I was a like, what's really interesting, like, because I did speech and drama. So you'd have to read a poem and a book and all of that, and I, I loved that. You know, I, I loved reading. But when it came to like a book, like. I was just like, yeah, no, no thanks. And uh, my auntie was um, a principal, and uh, so education to her. And sure, didn't my mom tell her that I wasn't reading my
0: book? (laughs)
1: Like, you know, like you had to pick a book and bring it home. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm okay to the teacher. (laughs) And so, mom mentioned it to. like my auntie and oh stop sure she brought me all around Ethan's and I was Mm. like oh Jesus and uh so I picked up the first thing I saw right it was I was eight right and I picked up Harry Potter right and I came back home so this was in Dublin I came all the way back to to Boyle and I shoved it under the sofa (laughs) and then I actually got i got really ill I was out of school for about a month yeah. like i I'd have bad asthma and just chest infection I couldn't go to school for like four weeks I was bored out of my mind and didn't I find the Harry Potter book under the sofa I started reading it and ever since then just i just Loved it, fell in love with it. So it's very much like Harry Potter and the characters of Harry Potter. Um, and yeah, just, I just followed it then for throughout like, you know, childhood and and teenage years as well, because the books were still
0: coming out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, uh, yeah, I suppose that would like that. Um, like, I suppose, some of the actors in Harry Potter, like the movie, I was like, right, I'll follow them. But I just, I found J.K. Rowling's, like, history, her life, that she had nothing. And, like, she was on a train. And, like, I I think that's just something that, you know, I know she's in, like, the media now that there's not great words really said about her now. But I suppose, you know, despite that, I would be very much like, if you kind of look at her life and see what she changed her life around by do, by believing in herself, she yeah. believed in herself. And I think, um, I like, I read up about it like years ago that she, uh, she got declined by maybe, I think it was a good few publishers, maybe yeah. three or four, if not more. And she kept going. And I just really think that mentality to be rejected so many times, but to believe in yourself and to keep going. And you just, you know what? You really do only need one person to believe in yourself. Yep. And when they, so the publishers that believed in her in the end, like because of that, look, you know, like look at the success of, of what her creativity. And yeah. um, so I did, I did really admire her you know um, and like I always believe that you know if you if you believe in yourself and if you if you keep going I think you know there is always going to be doors that are going to close on you and you really wanted them to stay open whether that's career or just life in general and you know but just try the next door try the next door after that and just keep going so yeah I would say I suppose not really actors or celebrities, yeah. really. To be honest with you, I never got into that, or even musicians. Um, I don't know—is it because of their their fame, or mm. kind of? I suppose in the 90s they were just very like it was. Yeah, I, I just never really connected with them. Maybe yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I connected with J.K. Rowling and just that kind of like I really admired her you know that she was divorced she had no money she was like living at home with her parents and then she goes do you know what (laughs) all right Um, yeah
0: yeah, i understand i think you know that's uh you know you hear about that the whole not the whole time but you hear about it regularly enough about like the beatles are turned down by record companies and and that's another one yeah yeah, and you just kind of go on you, but they they kind of admit that they didn't have a very good day when they were doing the auditioning. So it's like, well, that's just one of those things. And it's like the record company, in a way, wasn't wrong. If they sounded bad, they sounded bad. It's just you know, sure. it's just one of those yeah. things. And then they were yeah. great on the next day. But it is the resilience. It's the idea of the carrying on and and really pushing forward. To, to it is
1: that. Uh, and on. I think yeah. I think children and teenagers, and that's why anxiety is very high at the moment as mm. well. Is that I just feel like things are fixed a lot quicker. For children and teenagers now. And I, I find that their resilience, that bounce back isn't as good as what it was in, in society, I suppose, yeah. in, in, people, because things are just fixed straight away, yeah. placed. But then when things aren't fixed straight away and it is out of our control they find that very hard they can't understand that you know maybe if they have to wait an hour for the lineup connection of wi-fi (laughs) (laughs) back back in the day maybe oh god (laughs) you know but that but also it's just a reminder that the world is moving in in a in a very fast pace and i don't know what kind of i suppose what life or my struggles how I would have been able for for things if it was as fast as today.
0: Yeah, that is a good question and one that I'm unwilling to explore for myself, anyways, because I it it's too daunting. But um, another question we always ask Kira, uh, what do you like to do in your spare time?
1: Um, my spare time, uh, if you have any. <laughs> um, no, do you know what? Like I I love walking, walking and and listening to music yeah. is is just my go to. You know, and being out in nature as well, you know, um, I'm based in Dublin, but I do go home a, a good bit back to, back to boil And it's just nice just to be in, in nature and in the parks. But yeah, like I, I tend to just, I think because the world is moving at such a fast pace, I tend to not do too much outside yeah. of work. I kind of just reground myself and I find comfort in that, to be honest. I don't really, you know, yeah I'm,
0: yeah,
1: I'm I'm very basic.
0: <laughs> no, do You know, <laughs> you know?
1: yeah. But
0: well, I do the same when I'm uh, like off, oh, I you know, I'll watch films and stuff, but that is for me that's the grounding, you know, like yeah. read a book. Yeah. yeah. And I I just I don't have the cuz I I work in a, a gym, so I see people all the time and talk to people all the time. And there's only so much talking you can do. you got to, like, just chill out and relax.
1: I think so, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. being, don't get me wrong, I love being around friends. I think yeah. if you have a good bunch of friends and, you know, just, the, and if they, the, the crack that you have with them, that's just lovely. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I suppose, yeah, there's only so much talking and doing things. You know, yeah. life is just so busy that, like, yeah, just... Just leave relax. me alone with a leave me yeah. alone with a cup of tea and a book, thanks.
0: That's exactly the point where we should end the podcast. Leave me alone with a cup of tea, thanks. No, but listen, Kira, <laughs> you've been you've been a, a brilliant guest. I uh, thank you so much for for giving us uh, some time on your Saturday. No, you are very welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. That was you're a lovely welcome. conversation.
0: Oh, thank you. Listen, hang out hang out there for one minute. I'll I'll finish this off. We'll get a quick photo, and we'll uh, we'll go on away. Okay. okay. Thank you, Kira. Yeah. Okay, I also have to thank John for all the tech support that he does. I always thank my mum, my dad, my granddad, Jar and Calvin for their uh, music and logo. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube if you will. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, X, also on Spotify, Apple Anchor, Google Podcasts. One thing that I missed out on, Kira, where can people find you more importantly?
1: Oh, yeah, um, they can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Drama Therapy Ireland. Mm-hmm. And my website is also www.dramatherapyireland.com.
0: And you, all your info is obviously on Instagram. Like if they wanted to see you in the clinic, where yeah, you work. Yeah, if and they stuff want it. to,
1: like touch, you know, if they want to contact me, yeah. all the information is there. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Um, listen, everyone, thanks very much for for tuning in, watching or listening or whatever. And uh, obviously, once again, Kira, uh, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.
0: All right, everyone. See you next week. Bye.